All right, can you hear me now at home? Sorry about that. Thanks for letting us know, though. All right, let's do that one again then, so uh, we can do that together. And I meant to do it twice. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. All right, so, so this morning is work because of, uh, as we get into it, you'll see that God's word and his work are connected, and especially in this verse, but a major part of this is also just his faithfulness in doing his work. But the first thing I want to look at as we look at this verse is the very first word there, for. Whenever you see a for, and, and it's, I don't know about you, but it's kind of awkward to do a memory verse where you say for at the beginning. You know, you can just as easily knock off the for and say the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. But the four is there, and, and it's always good to look and see why is the four there. And sometimes when it's a therefore, we like to say, what's the therefore therefore, right? What's the four therefore? Well, if we go back to the very beginning of this psalm, psalm verse 1, the psalmist tells us, Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to Him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And then, for the word of the Lord is upright and all His work is done in faithfulness. The four is there because the first three verses are verses of praise. Glorifying God, praising to Him, singing to Him in joy. And in fact, there's even in that first verse, praise is becoming to the upright. And then that word shows up again in verse 3, uh, talking about the word of the Lord is upright. Praise is appropriate because God says things that are upright, and then God does things faithfully. The fact that He is who he is. The fact that he says what he says, the fact that he does what he does, means that God is worthy of praise. The four is there to tell us, and, and the verses that came before, God is worthy of praise because of what this verse and then the, the following verses in the psalm tell us about him. But the very the focus is on what he says and what he does, that he is worthy of praise for these things that he is worthy of praise for what he says. Now as we look at what does he say, what does it tell us about him? That the word is upright. That his work is done in faithfulness. The word, the, the, the word for word, there are a lot of different words the Hebrews would use to say a word or a decree. This word means to, to a you know, person's speech, it's a noun, so it's speech, it's a decree. It's translated as word. It has a sense in it of action. And in fact, in the Hebrew, in, in, in the, I guess we should say the Aramaic mind, the, the minds of the Bible time, the ways they thought about things, the way they viewed things, when you spoke, speaking was action. 
You know how today some people will say, you know, words are violent? And you're like, what? I grew up where uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now we've gotten to a place where, you know, I can I violently attack you because you said something to me, and I'm not being violent. Your words were violent. Well, in biblical times, words were action. If you said something, that thing was to be done. And especially God, when he speaks, that thing that he says gets done. What God says, he does, is, is what it says. And, and that's what goes on with that, that idea of the word. In fact, Abraham, when God showed him Sodom and Gomorrah and told Abraham what he was about to do to them, after God was done speaking, Abraham turns to God and says, far be it from you to do this thing. Our Bible's translated as thing, but it's the word for word. What he's really saying is, far be it from you to do what you just said. To do this, this speech, this word. But we have translated it because we understand it better to say this thing. There was this idea, and, and so once you spoke, whatever you said, in essence, kind of comes into reality, is the way the biblical writers thought about it. And so that's why we have to be very careful about what we say and the words that we use and the things we do. The, the psalmist, after this, later on uh, in verse 9, or excuse me, um, yeah, verse 9. No, I don't want to go to 9. Why am I saying 9 all the time? I've written the, the wrong things there. Uh, well, maybe I do. Okay. In verse 9, uh, he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. One of the reasons why I was confusing myself early on, it talks about by the word of the Lord, the heavens are made. And then in 9, it repeats that idea. And, and so I decided to just go with 9 and not verse 6 there. But that's why I was kind of confused with myself. Because God spoke. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And then in verse 10, the Lord nullifies the nations. The nations can make decisions. The nations can talk. God nullifies what the nations say. What God says happens. God speaks. What God says, he does. But what we say and what the nations say, say he can nullify that. In fact, he frustrates the plans of the peoples. But in verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands Forever. So while he frustrates the counsel of the nations, his counsel stands forever. Plans of his heart, generation to generation. And we can talk about the plans in the heart of man, but God is the one who directs their path. Well, God's plans in his heart, they stand forever from generation to generation. And verse 12 in ends this thought with, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Now they're talking about Israel there, but the juxtaposition with he, he frustrates the counsel of the nations with blessed is the nation. Obviously, the desire would be not that we would have him on our side, but his side. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, 
the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Now that second part, that is being ultimately fulfilled in the church today. People called by and chosen by him for his own. What the Lord says, he does. And that's where we, that's what's going on with that thing at the very end with, uh, in, in verse 4. All his work is done in faithfulness. His work, his deeds, the word work there even has the idea of product, what you have made. His work is done in faithfulness. He is faithful and true to whatever he says he will do. If he said it, he'll do it. His work is faithful to what he has spoken. Now, here's the question. If God is faithful to do what he said, is that a good thing? Because if he said to do, if he says some bad things, then maybe you don't want him to be faithful. Right? If God was not a good God, you wouldn't want him to follow through on what he has said and what he has planned. But we're told the word of the Lord is upright, righteous, straight. His word is right. His word is good. So trust God to do what he has said he was going to do, and we, we can believe that what God says is good. He is worthy of praise because he is first faithful to do what he has said. He said it, he'll do it. And we don't need to worry about what he's going to do because what he said is good. And if what he has said is good, what if he has said to do will be upright, then his follow-through and the things that he does are also good. And so for those that will question God and his actions and say, well, how does a loving God do X, Y, Z? How does a good do XYZ. If God is so good, why does He allow us to continue in our sin? If God is so good, why does He allow people to die in their sin? Why doesn't He just change all of our minds? Always kind of funny when we, the fallible, the sinful, <laughs> judge God, isn't it? What He says and what He does is right. What He says and what He does is upright. It is straight, and we are the ones that it is good and upright that he allows us to continue in our sin if that's what we desire. He is good and upright to give us his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins that we might believe in him. Because if he, he just leave us alone to ourselves, but he doesn't. And he is right and he is good to judge sin, even eternally. He gives us what we want in that sense. We can trust him. When we say, well, I don't know why God did this. I don't understand why God allowed this. I don't understand what God is doing here. Nothing here says I'll understand all Hey, hey, man, his ways are too high for us. We don't understand what he is doing. What we can do, though, is we can believe that he is good, that his word is upright. And if your word, you got to understand what, what a person said reflects on who they are. God, I mean, we experience this today. If, if you find somebody that has, shall we say, colorful language, that will cloud the way you view them. 
It will make you think certain things. If somebody uses a whole bunch of big, fancy words, you might think, wow, they're really intelligent. You might think they're really full of themselves and want to be pompous and make you feel like they're smart when they're not. But the things we say and the way we say it has an effect on how we are viewed. The same is true about God. He is upright, and we know he is upright because his words are upright. And his actions are faithful. So we know that he is faithful because that's how he lives. And because of that, we can trust in the Lord. Because his word is good, and upright because he is faithful to do things even if we don't understand even if we question why even if it doesn't make sense to us we can trust him and I don't know about you but I'm always wanting to pop the ejector seat I'm always wanting to go and do my own thing maybe just take the wheel you know going a little direction that I want to go. I'll just yank that wheel back my own way. No, we got to trust him. Trust in the Lord. And in fact, that's what he leads us to in, in this psalm. It ends, uh, I'm going to skip over the verses that you might be very familiar with about the king is not saved by a mighty army and a horse is a false hope for victory. In verse 18, we're told, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death, and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let Your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in You. A lot of ideas get repeated. Those who hope for his loving kindness, your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. I especially thought of to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine in our current days. As we struggle not with famine but inflation, with scarcity of some resources, and yet we have so much more than so much of the world. But we see it, the possibility. We see the possibility of death all around us. I read something recently. You know the old saying, death and taxes, that nobody escapes them. Some people actually have figured out ways to not pay taxes. But nobody escapes death. It is the leveler in our lives. And it is all around us. We can fear it or we can embrace the reality of it and to know that our our God is over it. He is in charge of it. And our hope is in Him. The Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope for His loving kindness. Our soul waits for the Lord. That's what it means, that, that trust in the Lord. And we might be in a place today, in this verse, in verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright. 
And all His work is done in faithfulness. You might be in a place that is in between those lines. You might be living today in between those lines that the Lord has spoken. And yet, you're looking for how is He going to act? What is He going to produce? How will He be faithful? I haven't seen that part yet. We live our lives to a certain extent. Our entire life is lived in between these lines. God has spoken. And yet there are things that you hope in Him to this day that have yet to be fulfilled. One that we have none of us here that are here today has tested is, does this salvation thing really work when I stop breathing? See, none of us have gone there yet. We have loved ones who have. We have loved ones who have gone before us who have tested that, but we have not yet tasted that fulfillment of His Word. But we trust in Him. Because He is upright, because He is good, because He loves righteousness and justice, the earth is full of His loving kindness. We can live in the middle of these two lines, trusting in Him. And that's what I want to call us to today. So badly, He has said something, but I haven't seen the work yet. I haven't seen the result. I haven't seen the product. I know he's faithful, but he dawdles. I know he's faithful, but he could really speed up for me. Take the action ourselves. Or maybe we doubt his words because we don't, we don't see the action. And I want to encourage you today. Trust in the Lord. Praise him while you wait. It's in that waiting time. It's in that time that we have hope. Verse 20 said, our soul waits for the Lord. The word is very similar to the idea of a chisel cutting a groove. We need to wait to hold fast to him. Because he is our help and our shield. We can wait for him. Whatever it is that you are dealing with today, whatever you are facing, I want to invite you to say, as we say this verse together again, whatever it is that you might be struggling with the Lord, maybe there's something that you're working for, maybe you have a health issue, maybe there's a family member that you want to see them come to the Lord and they just haven't yet. Bring that to mind. Trust in the Lord. Think about that as we say together, Psalm 33, verse 4. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, You, you speak. You have told us that You love us, that You will never let us go, that You are faithful. Lord, that You have told us each individually in our lives certain things. You have made promises to us to care for us, to provide for us, to guide us, to give us the words to say 
when we need them. And Lord, we, we sit between what you have said and your faithful work and accomplishment. Lord, help us to look back on the times that you have completed the work that you have said you would do in our lives. To see your faithfulness in the past and trust your faithfulness in the future. Lord, we thank you that, that you act in truth. That you, when you work, you make what you said true. It was already true in you, but you make it true in our lives as well. Father, those things that seem beyond our grasp, they're a vapor and we want to see them become reality. Help us to wait in you. Help us to have faith that you will provide as you need, as we need and when we need it. Lord, help us to live in between those lines. And may we continue to trust in you and to grow in our faith. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.